Welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Jevonstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. Today's episode focuses on lane splitting, a controversial topic for motorcyclists. Also known as lane sharing or lane filtering, motorcyclists tend to be strongly in favor of it or adamantly against it. Last year, Arizona became the fourth state to legalize some form of lane sharing, joining California, Utah, and Montana. Because there are so many misconceptions and myths about lane splitting, I asked Ryder's resident safety expert, Eric Tro, to write a feature about it, which you can find in the June 2023 issue of Ryder. Eric lives in Pennsylvania, a state where lane sharing is prohibited, but he has spent a lot of time riding in California and Europe and has experience with lane sharing. His feature is titled Split Decision, and it provides a fair and balanced approach to the topic. As for me, I'm much more biased in favor of lane splitting. I think it's the ultimate freedom for motorcyclists, and it's a widespread practice all over the world. The United States is one of the few countries where it is mostly prohibited or heavily restricted. Eric and I have a lively discussion about lane sharing, and whether you're for it or against it, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening, and keep the rubber side down. Eric, welcome back to the show. Uh, great to be here, Greg. Awesome. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is lane splitting, or lane sharing. Also includes lane filtering. We'll get into kind of what the distinctions between those two terms are, or those several terms are. But I just want to say that, you know, uh, this is a controversial topic. I, you know, basically people are either strongly in favor of lane sharing or they're adamantly opposed to it. And I kind of want to go into the details of what you can and can't do in certain places, but also kind of dig into why some people might be opposed to it when I'm somebody, I'll just say right up front, I'm 100% in favor of lane sharing. But I also live in California where it's the state that has allowed it for the longest. It's been acceptable, even if it wasn't codified in law. So let's start in the beginning. And um, first of all, you've been writing the Riding Well column in Rider since 2008. Uh, you run the Stay in Safe Advanced Rider Training Program. In 2013, you uh, received the AMA Outstanding Road Rider Award. So, But you also live in a state where lane sharing is not permissible. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about your approach to, uh, you've written a feature for the June issue of Rider and kind of where, how you approach this topic. Sure, and and this is just so everybody's clear as well. I mean, my brother lives in LA, he's been there for years and years. And so way back, uh, I don't even wanna say how many years ago, um, <laughs> that that I, would, I spent a summer out there and was working and riding and commuting and doing all that sort of thing. And I learned back then the value of, or first of all, the concept of lane splitting and then the practice of it. And it was, you know, it was, a little nerve wracking at first, and then you really got to see some of the advantages of it. And every time we have been back, it's it's a practice that is common there, and it's something that can be done. I believe can be done safely, and uh, that, that it's a good option as long as you do it right. And it is interesting to see how it's changed a bit through the years. Uh, I've definitely noticed that mirrors have become much bigger than they used to be, <laughs> uh, especially with SUVs and so forth. Um, and our motorcycles tend to be a bit bigger too, you know, so more so than the BMW R75 that I was running at the time. My GS is, is much wider. But anyway, but it is something that we can't do here in Pennsylvania. And um, uh, but yet it's done all over the world. And, you know, you and I have both ridden overseas and the hardest part is coming back and not being able to do and having that freedom <laughs> to really move through traffic efficiently. 
Right, right. Well, let, let's start by defining some terms, because as I said so, in the beginning, you know, some people use the term lane sharing. Some people say lane splitting. Some people say lane filtering. There's the term white lining. So right. let's start with lane sharing. That's the most general term. Sure. So lane sharing is something that at least the way I wind up defining it and it seems to be commonly done is lane sharing. Motorcyclists do this all the time. You can share the lane with another vehicle. And quite frankly, in many states, you can share a lane with another motorcycle, but you cannot share with another car or, you know, or with a car or something like that. So two motorcycles can be in a lane, whether that's, you know, staggered or side by side. Lane sharing just in general is what it sounds like, which is you're going to share a single lane with another vehicle. And the, and there are very few places where you're allowed to do that with a motorcycle and a car, truck, whatever other vehicle there is. Okay, so so that's the general idea of everybody's going in the same direction. You've got vehicles. Yeah, good point. We're all going yeah. the same direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so so you're and so it's typically I mean and again so this has got to be uh, you've got to have more than one lane in a single direction of travel. So let's say that you're on yeah. you're on a city street. It's got to have two lanes of traffic going in each direction so that you can ride between those lanes. You're not going to ride yeah. on the double yellow and you're not going to ride on the shoulder. Though in Hawaii that is one place where you're right. allowed to do that. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. So you've got uh, at least two lanes of, of traffic in one direction. You're riding between those rows of cars or trucks. So essentially, right. if you're not riding right on the white line, you're basically sharing a lane. And that and some roads, and they vary in width, uh, whether it's freeways or city streets, some mm -hmm. are wider than others. And as you mentioned, some vehicles and, and motorcycles are wider than others. But so uh, lane splitting, so lane sharing is just that, that activity. More of a general term. Yeah. That general activity. So what is lane splitting? Lane splitting is, you know, people do use the term splitting kind of generally too, but really lane splitting specifically, and even from a legal standpoint, it winds up being, once again, multiple lanes going in the same direction, typically highway or freeway. And it is being able to move through traffic that is moving, uh, traveling under the speed limit, and you are able to maneuver through slow moving traffic at a speed slightly higher than than the flow of traffic. So you're literally splitting the lanes of moving traffic as it's moving forward. This is what you see in the freeways in, in California on a regular basis. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen photographs or if you've ever been to California, just gridlocked traffic on huge, you know, six lane, you know, freeways, interstates, the infamous 405, whatever it may be, you know, highest volume freeway in the United States. So it's just a slow crawl of traffic and motorcyclists. Uh, and it's typically, uh, let's say you are in one of these freeways that has many lanes. You're typically between the, the two leftmost lanes, which are typically called yeah. the number one and number two lane. Right. So you basically would be as far left as possible away from exit ramps, on ramps, all that sort of stuff. And a motorcyclist can basically just travel down that line between those two rows of cars, uh, between right. the number one and the number two lane. Yep. One thing I will point out in California, as we have in some other states, we actually have uh, HOV lanes or carpool lanes, as they would call them. Right. And in some places, those carpool lanes, it's the innermost lane, so number one lane, and it's separated from the other lanes of traffic by a double yellow line or sometimes two double yellow. So, and what that double yellow does, it almost sort of creates a little extra cushion and it almost creates what becomes uh, on heavily trafficked freeways in California, almost a default motorcycle lane. It's a mini lane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you see CHP officers on motorcycles. 
you see guys on big Harleys with ape hangers, you see guys on sport bikes, anybody that's a commuter, all kinds of motorcycles. So that is lane splitting where you're basically on a limited access freeway and all the traffic's moving. And then, so what is lane filtering? Filtering is, and this is the, this is the practice that you're starting to see in other states now in various forms. Lane filtering is, think more intersections where you are in built up areas where you are, um, traffic in this case is stopped at a light, for instance. And that allows the motorcycle to filter up through to the front of the line to be the first one out at the intersection. And again, part of the purpose of all of this is to help eliminate, it's not just to allow motorcyclists to cheat, it's a nice benefit that we have, but it also helps eliminate some rear end collisions. We can talk more about that when we get into some of the pros and cons of all this, but it's a nice way to be able to get up through traffic to the front of the line so that you can then safely pull out once the light turns green but it's stopped traffic. Absolutely. Okay. So lane filtering is more, you know, city streets, intersections, and you're basically, uh, you're going between rows of, of other vehicles to get kind of the, to the head of the line so that you're kind of getting right. up to pull position. As soon as the light turns green, you, you make sure the intersection is clear and then you can kind of pull ahead. Right. So there's, I guess, questions. And, and again, California is the, the state where uh, some form and lane splitting is the, the type of activity that has been allowed in California for decades. But it was in this legal sort of gray area. It wasn't uh, legal per se, but it also wasn't illegal. And so mm -hmm. it was a permissible activity. But in 2016, California finally codified it into law that it is, it is you know, it's, it's, in the, it's in the rule book. It's in the, you know, motor vehicle statute. But that followed a series of studies by UC Berkeley in 2015. So I guess the question is, you know, there are certainly advantages, and we'll get into more of these in terms of what lane sharing offers for motorcyclists, but also traffic in general. But I guess the number one question is, is it safe? Is it safe? Safe in and of itself might be, you know, as just even riding in traffic, is it safe? Well, it's, um, we try to make it as safe as we can. So I would call it, uh, I think it's safe to say it's safer than okay. than what a just regular commuting and traffic. Some studies done by the University of California, Berkeley, uh, as you mentioned, they specifically looked at the incidence of crashes related to lane splitting in California. And the big thing that came out of that is for those riders who were not lane splitters, there was a relatively high or almost disproportionate incidence of rear end collisions to the motorcyclists who were stuck in traffic behind other vehicles uh, with really no place to escape to. And one of the things that, you know, this is certainly what I associate with California freeways, for instance, is you talk about how it can be crawling. It can also be going 70 miles per hour and then go to seven miles per hour in no time. I mean, right. and so there you get this tremendous change in speed. So if you have traffic behind you that's approaching quickly, but you're stopped because of the vehicles in front of you, you're really vulnerable. Right. And that's what the studies indicated is that's where those were happening. And as a result, there were also then, um, you know, they get into the injuries as well. And that's where you're getting into head injuries and some some torso injuries and, and leg injuries and things like that. So it's pretty serious stuff if you're rear-ended, uh, especially at speed, simply because you were sitting in traffic and 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 doing the conventional thing. Conversely, what they found is they looked at for lane splitting riders versus non-splitting riders, those incidents of rear end collisions, I mean, practically went away. They just dropped completely off the radar. The only only ones that were getting rear ended were were being hit by their fellow riders who were riding too closely when they were splitting lanes together. So that's something we can talk about when when it comes to uh, some tips. But at the same time, it does present some new but lesser risks. 
So you have, you know, uh, there are some some aspects of it, for instance, that uh, when you're going between cars, you, you know, we always talk about having this establishing a safety cushion around the bike around us. It's a little tougher to to keep a decent safety cushion when you're between vehicles. However, you do have the opportunity. There's some predictability when you're in between them that there's not going to be a ton of movement. It's more when you get gaps and things right. like that that you have to watch. So the biggest threat to the lane splitting rider is a, is another vehicle changing lanes either up ahead or beside the rider or into the rider. Right. From an injury standpoint, though, even, even if you're dealing with that, they are significantly, the upside is they're lesser injuries. They, they, you know, they tend to be more almost stop and plop type of things or some more, some less severe injuries. But as always, in many of these cases, that's all stuff that's that's predictable with some active observation and some some anticipating and putting yourself in the right place. So in terms of being safer, as you're suggesting, you're less likely to have a rear end collision because you're no longer sandwiched or trapped between the front and rear bumpers of other vehicles. Because, you know, if you think about a traffic lane, if you're in, you know, rush hour traffic, stop and go traffic, you know, if you're on a motorcycle, you're probably either, you know, in the center of the lane or, you know, in one of the wheel tracks, but you're basically inside the width of the bumper that's in front of you and the bumper that's behind you. So right. it's interesting you mentioned the safety cushion. So lane splitting can reduce your safety cushion from the sides because you're going between uh, rows of yep. cars, but it increases your safety cushion in front of you and behind you. Too. And behind, yeah. But if you're in what is the normal situation where most people in most states is you're stuck in traffic and you're basically, you're following a vehicle and you've got a vehicle behind you and you can try and maintain some space in the front if you can. But sometimes if there's just a little bit of extra space, somebody will change lanes and fill that gap. Yep. You have no control over how close the person is behind you. So your safety cushion is probably also, it's in normal traffic, when you're not lane splitting, your safety cushion is compromised from the front and the rear and not the sides. You know, no, And no matter how hard you try. Uh, exactly exactly yeah and i i mean i know what we we talk a lot about uh, drivers being distracted and especially with smartphones nobody can put them down nobody can resist the urge to just check instagram or whatever it is especially when there's moments where you've just got these moments of like boredom so you're standing in line at the grocery store or you're sitting in your car at traffic and so the the distracted driver is the one as you mentioned when there's this kind of slinky effect with traffic where you're Mm -hmm. going 70 miles an hour for five minutes and then all of a sudden it just comes, it goes to a crawl. If somebody's not paying attention to what they're doing and you're basically got that car behind you, you're more likely to get hit from behind, you know? And that mm-hmm. that is the true danger because there's no such thing as a minor fender bender with a, with a motorcycle. I mean, almost, right. you go down, there's gonna be damage to the bike, possibly damage to the rider. So the Berkeley research that you cited suggests that if you are lane splitting and if you're doing so, in a safe manner, and we'll get into that, which is below a certain speed, the, yeah, that's the, big the speed differential between the motorcycle and the surrounding traffic is, is as low as possible, 10 to 15 miles an hour. They're not just ripping through traffic, yeah. that they're less likely to have rear end collisions. And if they sustain injuries, they're less likely to be severe. And there's also fewer fatalities. So that is, you know, basically if practice in the appropriate manner, lane splitting in traffic is safer than not lane splitting and traffic, at least in California. Yep. And, and you hit on the, the biggest, you know, we talk about things like, hey, you know, you want to make sure that you are observing and anticipating. 
But the biggest, biggest factor in all of this, and the studies, the Berkeley study uh, indicates this as well, is speed differential is, is one of the greatest factors as to whether lane splitting is, or lane, well, lane splitting in particular is a safer practice or you're adding more risk. The greater the speed differential, and that's simply a matter of how much faster are you going than the traffic around you? It makes sense that the faster you're going uh, and the more, the greater that differential is, the more risk that you have, the less time and space you're going to have to work with to execute something safely. And so, yeah, that's the biggie. If we, and, and that's one of the things that's frustrating to me is when I have been around, and I'm sure you still see it in California, is you get the responsible lane splitters who tend to be commuters. They're guys who are they're, they're out there every day and they're riding their motorcycles and they're dressed properly and the whole bit. And they're keeping a nice, responsible speed differential and it's working for them. Then you get some other guys that are just blasting through. And uh, not only is, I mean, there's that right off the bat is they just don't, you know, you, if anything happens, they don't have any room to work with at all. And, and that's obviously where injuries become more severe too. Well, you know, I will just say that I, I've lived in California since 2005, worked for the magazine since 2008. I used to commute almost basically 25 miles each way from my home to the office and I would go down the US 101 freeway. I've been lane splitting a lot. I've had to do mm -hmm. lane split for an hour at a stretch or two hours at a stretch going through from, I live north of LA to go to down to the south of Orange County to go to an event. And there's LA, the LA greater area just is an area that has heavy volumes of traffic. There's just millions and millions of people. So, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen, you know, people ripping through and it can be, you know, the sport bikes, cruisers, people that, you know, if they, they if, if things get a little bit tight, they rev their engine, they honk their yeah. horn. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always bad actors in any situation. But like I said, most people are, you know, typically it's just a way to more efficiently. I mean, you can cut and you can take a two hour commute and cut it in half or even less by lane yeah. splitting on a motorcycle. And again, as a person in California seeing thousands and thousands of cars stuck in gridlock every day, I'm like, Hey, this is legal. Why don't more people ride motorcycles and lane split so they would have half as much time to commute, you know? But let's maybe talk about the fact that it is not only is motorcycling a skill-based activity, but it can be a little bit nerve-wracking as you said earlier to to mm -hmm. to ride between cars and so to even do it safely requires a pretty high level of skill and situational awareness. Yeah, well, there's no question about that. And it's not for everybody uh, because, or at least it's not for a rider who is, is one, uncomfortable in traffic, is not comfortable necessarily or confident in their skills and their ability to handle the motorcycle because it's not something you want to do when you have certain anxieties right off the bat getting into it. And it has to be done uh, to be done safely is something that should be done as calmly as possible with as light a touch as possible. And, and again, that comes with part of the state of mind, as well as the ability to really operate the motorcycle um, proficiently too. So part of what prompted this is, you know, I asked you to write a feature about lane splitting or late sharing for the magazine. It'll be in the June issue mm -hmm. of Rider and it'll be on our website soon enough is that, so after California uh, finally codified uh, lane splitting or lane sharing into law, uh, it seemed that several other states followed in in succession. So Utah passed legislation that allowed some form of lane sharing. 
Montana passed uh, legislation in 2021, and then Arizona passed legislation in 2022. I know Hawaii has this sort of like one special case. I don't know when they passed whatever they passed, but there's, I kind of find it a little bit of a special case. So we'll maybe come back to that. Yeah. What prompted this was after it was last, it was about a year ago in 2022 when Arizona had passed its legislation, we posted an announcement on the website. Actually, yep. the AMA put out a press release because the uh, the American Motorcyclists Association supports lane sharing, uh, you basically as a, as, a, as a safe riding practice. The Motorcycle Safety Foundation, the mm-hmm. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I don't know if I got yep. that name right. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I leaving out? Were there any other motorcycle organizations? The uh, yeah, there is one more. motorcycle industry council. Yes, it was MIC. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only the only major organization, but again, they're not motorcyclists. Is the uh, American Automobile AAA? You know, yeah, they AAA practice, but they drive cars. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess the question is: so, so since more states have started to allow this practice, and when, like I said, when we posted the announcement about Arizona on our website, we got a ton of comments on that web post. And basically people, that's what really opened my eyes to the fact that people are either strongly in favor of lane sharing or they're strongly against it. There wasn't much middle ground. And what was obvious by reading some of the comments is you have people that are writing with no personal experience with lane sharing. They're basically like, hey, you shouldn't do this. I've never done it myself. I mean, they don't come out and explicitly say it, but in the the context of their larger comment, you can tell they've never done it before, but they still think it's something that people shouldn't be doing. So to me, there's, it's, it's like, it's like helmet laws. It's like, it's like the Darksiders article you did about people putting car tires on the back of their motorcycles is that there's a lot of myths. Oh, you mentioned that now I'm going to get those emails again. <laughs> It's like the, there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about this, and I and what yeah. you've done in this feature, and that's why we're talking about this in the podcast, is to provide some clarity on the practice and the subject and it as a safe practice. So let's dig into a couple of these states. Like, what can you do and not do in Utah, Montana, and Arizona that you can or can't do in California? Sure. And, and by the way, I'd I'd love to revisit too with some maybe once we get through that, I'd love to go back to some of the the polarized perceptions of this even among motorcyclists and chat a little bit more about that but you know california first of all you know when we talk about lane splitting california is the only state where lane splitting is legal on on the freeways on the highways with moving traffic the in in utah motorcycles can travel between the lanes of stop traffic not slow moving traffic but stop traffic and that would be again multi-lane road with speed limit limited to 45 miles per hour or less and the bikes can only go 15 miles per hour maximum. That's not the speed differential. That's the fastest they can actually proceed through that stop traffic. Well, so, I guess that is the speed differential if they're if they're stopped. But yeah. So that would essentially be they've allowed a form of lane filtering. So you can't do that it anyway. Yep. This would only be on city streets, you know, basically where there's and again more than one lane of traffic going in each direction. Uh, so at least two two more lanes. But basically, all the cars have to be stopped. They can't yep. be moving at a slow pace. And the motorcycle that is filtering its way through traffic, presumably to get to the head of the line at the stop sign or the or the uh, traffic light, is basically can not go any faster than than 15 miles an hour. And the speed limit for anybody can't be above 45 miles. An 45 hour. So again. Right. So to me, that's a very that's a very sort of specific set of guardrails or parameters that allow for this practice in Utah. Yep, absolutely. 
Okay. So then the next state uh, along was Montana. Very, very, it's, you know, it's similar, except that they're similar, but different. So here riders can go between lanes. They can filter between lanes and overtake stopped or slow moving vehicles that are traveling no more than 10 miles per hour. So the flow of traffic is limited to 10 miles per hour. And then the motorcyclist has to stay within 10 miles per hour of that surrounding traffic and never exceeds 20 miles per hour. Okay. So you know, it's not a lot of math, but it's it, it, <laughs> right, right, right. Didn't, didn't know, yeah, you, you, to to do this, you have to know a little math. But the bottom line is, yeah, you're not going over 20 miles per hour. Traffic can be up to 10 miles per hour, and you just have to stay within 10 miles per hour of the traffic. And that's a safe speed def- differential. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that that's actually a, a relatively safe practice right there, and gives the rider more flexibility than in Utah, where everything has to be at a complete standstill. Um, you mentioned Arizona, and that's where it's once again, it's stopped traffic at a, at a red light on a multi-lane roadway. Similar to Utah, speed limits 45 miles per hour or less, and the rider can travel no more than 15 miles per hour. And there's no passing on the median or shoulder. So in essence, Arizona and Utah are aligned from that standpoint. Now, uh, Hawaii has a special case where you can't actually do lane filtering as we've described it up to this point of sharing, but they allow you to what? Well, this is where they give you the opportunity to pass um, stopped traffic again on road. These are all multi-lane roads, and uh, but you can use the shoulder provided that it's wide enough to accommodate the rider. Now, frankly, this is one that I wish every state immediately. This is the first thing that I think should be allowed. This is imagine the the long stop traffic. It can be for whatever reason that everything is stopped. Just allowing motorcyclists the opportunity to respectfully go around the traffic on the shoulder but that's what you can do in hawaii now having just ridden in hawaii on the big island uh (laughs) i don't find a whole lot of wide shoulders there so you know that it's really limited as to where you can do that but it's certainly uh certainly something but what this shows is these states you know they're adopting some form of this but in in various ways and Again, I think it's important for people to, for riders to recognize this didn't just open the floodgates and make it possible to just work your way through traffic like you can in California. Right. Well, the reason I want you to kind of spell out the specificity of these laws is that, you know, it's not like lane sharing is like a light switch. Either it's on or it's off. You can or can't do it. Now, let's just take a moment and consider, you mentioned at the outset that you and I both have ridden in other countries. I've done lots of press launches and overseas tours, mostly in Europe. I know you've done uh, the same. You've been in Europe. I've also been in Mm -hmm. other countries. The interesting thing is in other countries, lanes sharing is pretty much, I I would just, I don't know what the laws are, but my experience is it's pretty much a free-for-all. It's kind of like you can do whatever you want. You can also typically, anywhere you can put down a kickstand, you can park a motorcycle on on a sidewalk. But, but, Mm -hmm. But the practice in these other countries is ingrained in just like, Lane sharing or lane splitting is not just allowed, it's almost expected. Like you as a motorcyclist are taking up space on a freeway or on city streets that is unnecessary if you're not working your way through traffic. And it's mm-hmm. just it is it is just accepted as what you do, as as that is because you have this small little maneuverable vehicle. It is your right to just slice through traffic, whether it's again on a freeway on uh, city streets, to move to the head of the line at, at a traffic light or something like that. And it's just, uh, so there's not, uh, whereas in this country, even though it's, uh, I find that these states like Utah, Montana, and Arizona feel like they're dipping their toe in the water. Let's see what we can safely sort of see, and let's see if this blows up in our face. But generally, it feels like Americans are opposed to the idea, almost like it's culturally, like, 
use the word cheating earlier. Like they think they, right. by motorcyclists filtering or lane splitting, you're cutting the line or you're cheating because they think that, well, I'm stuck in traffic. You should have to be stuck, stuck in traffic too. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, it's interesting. I was just thinking as you were talking about that, that, I mean, would you agree that motorcycles are more part of the culture in a lot of these other countries sure. than it is here? Here, I feel like we're still an us and them type of environment. And we do have an interesting sense of, I mean, I can't think of another word besides entitlement as, you know, we feel it's our right to drive. It's actually a privilege, but we feel it's our right to drive. We feel, you know, people talk about, you know, as a matter of fact, I do own the road, you know, the, the, <laughs> this idea of, of uh, everybody's got a, um, a sense of ownership of the space that they're in on a highway. And motorcyclists are guilty of this as well. But I mean, but, you know, if we're, if we're suddenly infringing upon somebody's space that they perceive to be their own or that you're doing something that they are feeling is not permissible it's not appropriate then you know uh, in in these areas especially out of out of ignorance and a lack of empathy because many of them aren't motorcyclists then then they act out and can kind of punish you and that can be a dangerous thing and that's why i actually think that especially in these new states and any new states coming is a campaign of some sort an informational campaign public service that lets people know that this is a legal practice and that it's an acceptable thing and know these people aren't just trying to screw you over you know that's going to be a beneficial thing because until we have that it's going to be it's still going to be an us and them thing well, you know, you make a good point is that even in a state like California, where uh, not only is lane splitting permitted, but uh, in much of our state, we can ride year round. We just are fortunate to have weather that allows us to ride year round. You can commute year round. Is that even in a state like ours, where we have, you know, we have a huge number of motorcyclists, uh, is it still fairly rare? Like in the United States, motorcycling is still typically a recreational activity, whereas, right. you know, for example, in Europe and especially in many other countries, particularly third world countries, Motorcycles are utility vehicles. They may have a motorcycle instead of a car because they can't afford a car. It's expensive to park a car in cities or something like that. Mm -hmm. it's, as you said, there's just, they're much more common scooters, motorcycles in, in European cities and, and other countries. So, but they are still a rarity here. People still think that, you know, it's a, it's a rebellious activity. It's a weird activity. And something that you mentioned in the feature you quoted uh, from, from Tom Vanderbilt, he mentioned yeah. this idea of this empathy imbalance where basically we we view the world through the lens of being motorcyclists. Other right. people don't. And so they don't see what we do the same way we see what we do. <laughs> Does yep. that make sense? Yep. yep. And and Tom, but you mentioned Tom Vanderbilt is he's the author of Traffic, Why We Drive the Way We Do, which is one of my favorite books. It really gets into the psychology of drivers and 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 driving and all the reasons we do the things that we do and and addresses some of these things in terms of uh senses of entitlement and and how we react and this empathy and balance thing i thought was fascinating and now tom is not a motorcyclist but he is a, an avid bicyclist and he was using his instance as well as saying look most drivers while they may have ridden bicycles when they were kids they aren't active bicyclists on the road you know, and, and commuting and the same thing with motorcyclists. They're not motorcyclists. They don't understand. Therefore they can't have an empathy for the motorcyclist world, including what risks you're facing, what your mindset is, what your intent is, why you're doing what you're doing. And so they may see what you're doing as a motorcyclist in lane sharing as being 
you know, you're cheating, you're cutting in line, you're, uh, you're breaking the law, you're, you're being rebellious. And, and, you know, it's just, it's a ne all negative feelings, because they don't have the ability uh, to um, naturally empathize with it, because they it's not in their world. It's not something they're accustomed to. You know, what I find fascinating about that is even though people are in their cars or trucks, especially these days, SUVs, pickup trucks, they're in very large, you know, we call them motorcyclists, you know, sort of condescendingly call them cages, even though we all own one and it's our grocery <laughs> gear and so forth. But like a motorcyclist lane splitting isn't going to do any damage to a car. I mean, I guess it could clip a mirror or something, but it's not going to cause personal injury to somebody that's in a car. But you mentioned earlier about some people feel like, well, maybe they're crowding my space that I feel like it makes me nervous. My wife is one of those people. She's commuted on the 101 here in Southern California for many years. And, she, and even though I'm a motorcyclist, I'm a lane splitter. I've done lane splitting with her on the back of a motorcycle. She just gets a little spooked every time one would come by, you know, uh, mm -hmm. her car. Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, it's just not something that it seems like, well, hey, that's not a that's not a full lane. Why would they be doing that, even though the motorcycle fits through there? So. The thing, I mean, we didn't really, we talked about the injuries and the safeness, but, you know, the thing, some of the advantages of lane sharing is that it effectively reduces, it doesn't reduce the number of vehicles on the road, but it does reduce the number of vehicles that are stuck in, in traffic lanes. That's right. Yep. So, I mean, even though like people think that we're cheating or cutting the line, hey, listen, if a motorcycle is lane splitting and goes past you, you're still stuck in traffic, whether they are behind you or go past you, like they're not making your commute worse by lane splitting. They're well, actually, if there were enough motorcyclists, they would be making it better because it reduces total traffic congestion. Yeah. And think about it this way, too, is all the motorcyclists that may be ahead of you in all of that line, if they are stuck in line with you, you're farther back now. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, so, I, you know, that's for me, I, I just want to I mean, if it's not obvious, I'm I, again, I'm a Californian. I've done a lot of lane splitting. I'm a strong advocate for the practice. I know that you are in this sense. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that, you know, like you said, since you don't live in a state that allows it, though you have spent plenty of time riding in other places, it's safe if done safely, you know, if it's done properly. And so as a safety expert, I understand you have a more a measured approach to the practice. And that's exactly why I asked you to write the feature that you did. And I think that comes across very well. But, Thanks. you know, for me, I think it's one of the things that, we, what we talked about at the outset and what I, I want to that you said we should come back to is what really baffles me is the fact that so many American motorcyclists that live in states where it's not allowed oppose the fact that anybody doesn't anywhere. Like they think that you're crazy. Like, why the heck would you do that? It's dangerous. You're going to kill yourselves. And that is the part that really frustrates me because it's not based on experience. It's based on myth or just assumptions or misunderstanding of the practice. I, I do think there is um, there's a lot of that. I'm going to try to give them a little bit of the benefit of doubt and say maybe it's a matter of, you know, because I think about here in Pittsburgh and, you know, Pittsburghers are incredibly kind people. They're really friendly and everything else, unless necessarily you put them behind the wheel of a car, then <laughs> things happen a little bit differently. It can be a situation, you know, and like I said, trying to give the benefit of the doubt saying, hey, when I have done something, you know, anything, I get a negative response from other drivers and i just can't even imagine why anyone would try to introduce that component because they're assuming then that people are just going to be so pissed off and so so angry about it all the other thing too is i mean it could be like i think about here in in um 
again, in the Pittsburgh area where the, none of that is legal, but I've seen riders splitting lanes and they, you know, and they, it's usually a handful of riders and they're doing it recklessly. They're doing it at high speed. They're going much faster than traffic, scaring other drivers and riders, zipping in and out of lanes. And I they even do it in the, uh, in the tunnels here. So, you know, maybe that's also stirring up some of the, it, maybe that's their perceptions of what lane splitting is. And as I mentioned before, it's like, well, what does a lane splitter look like? And this is in the story it is, <laughs> is well what they look like tends to be their commuters wearing all the right gear tending to ride solo and riding responsibly and uh, it's not kind of the image of what you may see but um then again there's you know there is definitely the 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 aspect of there are people who just simply say man i can't imagine doing that and so therefore that's what a crazy idea that would be and, and and I sense, quite frankly, you know, I think the photography, for instance, for this feature is terrific. And some folks, when they see the sea of cars and the motorcycle coming down through, might be immediately overwhelmed by that and say, oh, my God, how could you do that? But until you experience that and see how it works, and in California, one of the things I think is beautiful is it works almost like a zipper in many cases where cars, uh, car drivers are tend to be aware, and it is a cooperative thing for the most part. Where they'll actually create space for you, provided you're not zipping through, uh, that you're giving them time to notice you and and giving them an opportunity to respond because you're treating each other respectfully. Yeah, what's interesting is as motorcycles always have the you know it's mandated they always have their headlight on as that mm -hmm. you know, as you're coming down a long lane of traffic, people if they're paying attention will look in their side view mirror and they'll see that headlight because they're not expecting to see it necessarily. It's it's coming down the lane. And and I have a lot of experience with this where people will, will drift over to the left to basically create a little bit of a wider space for you. And it's very common among uh, lane splitting motorcyclists to just, you know, wave a hand to just sort of acknowledge that, hey, yep. thanks, thanks for giving me a little extra space. That goes now, a long way. But there are motorcyclists. Again, there's always the bad actors. There's always people that are going to abuse a privilege. There are motorcyclists who feel that because they're lane splitting and because they're Joe badass that they feel that that cars and trucks should be like parting the Red Sea where they should just open a big space for you. And if they don't, if for some reason, some people just crowd the the, the line, they do whatever, you know, it's just that's just how traffic is, you know, and some people drift over the line a little bit. They're just not paying attention. They're kind of clueless. So some motorcyclists will rev their engine, they'll honk their horns, they'll make all kinds of gyrations to try and like provoke riders and say, hey, you're your drivers. So there's, hey, you're supposed to get out of my way. No, it's not the cars or truck driver's job to get out of your way. It's your job right. to find a space if one exists. If it doesn't exist, you come to a stop and you wait and traffic will start moving and things will open up. So it's a give and take. And I, the way that I take approach lane splitting personally is it's up to me to make it happen on, in a safe way. And so not, I can't force myself- or not happen. Or not happen, and and I can't force it to happen because in any confrontation with a car or truck, I'm going to lose. They are mm -hmm. a couple of tons at least, and I'm on maybe a 500 pound motorcycle, and I'm going to lose. So I basically don't want to provoke anybody. But you know, and the thing is uh, that, that I find interesting about the lane splitting is there are tons of people in California that are motorcyclists that don't lane split. Just because it's allowed doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> You know, it's unlike a helmet law or a seatbelt law where it's mandated for everyone. This is an allowed practice, but if you aren't comfortable doing it for any reason, don't do it. It's perfectly yeah. fine. 
Yep. You brought up something that I think is interesting to consider. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, there are times to do it, times not to do it. And that's all, that, quite frankly, that's even a matter of if you go to your favorite road and you want to strafe the canyon because you just absolutely love doing it. But if there's a situation that is just not right, don't force it. And it's the same thing with this. You know, it's like, I'll save that for another day when it's safe to do so. Same thing with the lane splitting is if you're in a situation where, okay, try, this isn't cooperating, things are too tight or what, and it can just be a momentary thing to just, I like what you said is you pause, you wait it out. And if you have to get back over into a lane, you can do that at any time. That's the other part too, is you're not stuck in the middle forever right. in between lanes. You can move over into lanes uh, at any given time too. But the idea of just using your best judgment, and that's where I, I feel that what your motivation is for the lane splitting, I think, is or lane sharing of any kind, it comes down to it shouldn't be impatience. It should be efficiency. It should be doing the right thing. It should be a, it should be a safety decision, quite frankly. But as soon as it becomes about impatience or frustration, now you're adding another element and becoming your own worst enemy in that you're, you're now raising the risk. Uh, at that that stage of the game. And that, that's where, again, I, I find it interesting that the study shows that, you know, I described that these are riders who tend to wear all the gear and they're riding responsibly, they're riding solo. What I didn't mention is most of the lane sharing and lane splitting in California is happening during regular commuting. Right. And that's where I've said before, too. Now, an advantage of that is also you're dealing with what I call professional commuters. So you have even your car drivers, they're accustomed to a pattern and that and so forth. So initially, it may be odd for someone to have a motorcycle coming up through. But when they're commuting every day, it becomes a regular occurrence. And I think that's probably why you get that nice zipper effect right. that works to the favor of them. And this cooperation, because that's what happens with people who commute on a regular basis. Well, and the interesting thing is, you know, having and lane splitting, I will say it's like any other skill-based type of motorcycling. You're talking about riding in the canyons, if you maybe want to do that at a spirited pace. Yeah. Well, that requires a certain skill set in terms of you know, braking and throttle and 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 body position yep. and all those sorts of things. Well, lane splitting is the same thing. Like when I first, I mean, I was introduced by lane splitting by a friend of mine. I first moved to California. We're going for a ride. And I basically followed him on a freeway as he started lane splitting. And following another person, it's sort of like I've ridden in, in uh, mm. countries where everybody drives on the other, on the left side of the road. And it's like, if you're by yourself, it feels really weird. And if you pull out of out of a gas station you're going to maybe do the muscle memory thing and go in the wrong lane but if you follow other people it feels pretty natural so i followed a friend it was a little bit weird at first because i felt the space on my sides where it, it feels differently when the cars are in front and back of you but it actually very quickly felt pretty natural and yep. it felt liberating because everybody's stuck in traffic but us we uh, it's like we got a you know we got a free pass to basically go through traffic and while everybody was stuck but the thing is, is it's uh, it took me a while to get comfortable with it. You know, as mm -hmm. as I think one of the things that you quote Lee Parks, who uh, runs the Total yep. Control Clinic, he runs the rider safety programs for California and other states. Is motorcyclists have to be skilled, and you talk about this in some tips. Yep. Like you have to be an experienced motorcyclist. You have to be able to be comfortable in the density of traffic. You mentioned that earlier. You really have to be able to be comfortable with emergency braking and swerving and stopping and anything mm -hmm. in that sort of situation um, can't be impaired. You know, shouldn't be drinking if you've, you know, on medication, anything like that, anything right. that can impair, impair your uh, reaction time or judgment. But if you like anything else, as you do it more often, like whether you ride on a track or you ride in the canyons is I feel like I've developed kind of a spider sense for yeah. 
hard. Like you can kind of, you can see in their side view mirror, you can see a, a bit of hesitation that suggests they're looking for an opening in a lane. You see a little bit of a drift towards something. Is, and the number one thing that, that lane splitters in California have to look out for is basically a gap where basically there's going to be a car size gap that is your lane splitting somebody and people like to abruptly change lanes to fill a gap because they know it won't be there for very long. So those are the things that I always am most cautious or and use cars as kind of a blocker. If I see a gap there, I slow down to make sure it's not going to get filled. And once it closes up a little bit, I can go past. But it really is something that you can develop a sense of comfort with and a skill set that is, and a lot of it is based on perception and judgment of other what vehicles are doing because they tend to be rather predictable. Yep, I completely agree. And it's amazing. I'm sure you have this sense now too, like you say, the spidey senses, you can predict what's going to happen before I think even the other drivers know what they're going to do. If you are observing far enough up ahead, you see that gap and you see, uh, there's a photo in the, in the story too. There's a car up ahead. It's following a truck that's surely it's having difficulty seeing around. There's a gap to the left of it. Naturally, you think, I bet you that driver might want to get around to be able to see around that, that truck or at least get around that truck well the motorcycle's approaching you can't expect you know so you're anticipating that and making sure that as you enter get close to where that gap is you're prepared for that you know it's it is interesting that it's a it's heightened input heightened things going you know number of things going on around you but it's an oddly zen-like thing that you get into where you can do this very calmly and very smoothly and everything. And, and it's, to me, this is almost like uh, same thing with cornering you were talking about before when it feels like work, you're doing it wrong. Uh, so <laughs> when, when you do, when you're doing the lane splitting and if you're like all tensed up and everything, you know, you're making abrupt moves and all that. Okay. The technique is wrong. Settle it down, breathe. And you know, it can be, it does not have to be a stressful thing uh, at all. Well, and weirdly, I guess it's, it's, you know, some people talk about a flow state. Others would just be that because, you have obstacles and things to in your immediate surroundings that you've got to sort of focus on and evaluate in real time. To me, it keeps me very present moment focused. I cannot be distracted and thinking about other things. And so anything, whether you do jigsaw puzzles or you do yoga or you do lane splitting, whatever it is that kind of keeps you in that present moment is actually a fairly satisfying state to be in. And like you said, it can create, even though it's, it, you, it's a heightened awareness and laser focus, it's also can be a weirdly calming sort of thing. You yeah. can just kind of like stay in the moment and be very focused on what you're doing. So, but let's just step back again. It's not for everybody. If you're somebody and not everybody can evaluate themselves that well, but if you're somebody who is easily spooked or panicked yeah. you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in challenging situations, if your situational awareness, you're just, you have a hard time saying focus or concentrated, you're whatever it might be. Those are not if you're that type of person, lane splitting is probably not for you, you know, or lane sharing, lane, 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 lane splitting. So, I mean, and uh, you and I talked to this earlier is that I think the times I've seen how uncomfortable people are with lane splitting is I've been on some overseas tours where some of the participants are Americans who have never lived in a state where lane splitting was allowed or lane sharing was allowed. And we're, we'd be as a group and we're, let's say, approaching a hotel in Madrid or Lisbon or one of these major cities. And it's just expected that there's a ton of traffic and to efficiently get to our destination, we're going to go between uh, rows of cars on a freeway or on city streets and people that have never done it before get really spooked and kind of freaked out. I've been, you know, had everybody kind of, it's like a duck in our, or ducklings, everybody follows the ride leader. But once you get there, everybody takes their helmets off and they're, they're panting. They're kind of freaked out. They're like, oh, I don't know if we'd ever do this. But 
again, that probably reflects more their lack of experience than the, the actual danger that they were in. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's something to be said. That's to be an interesting conversation in and of itself is the idea of, you know, I like to encourage people to, to break through their comfort level, you know, their, their, the edges of their comfort zone versus throwing them into it. So <laughs> right. one of the pieces of advice that I have is don't let somebody talk you into doing that. Now, when you're on a tour like that, you kind of have no choice. Those are tough situations. And although I will say in that case, you have professional tour leaders who are setting a pace. They've been through this a bunch of times and everything else. I don't know how much setup there was in preparing people for it, but the thing that I would advise people here is to say, hey, look, if your buddy's splitting lanes and you've never done it and you're uncomfortable with it, then use your common sense. Do what's right for you. Ride your own ride. And then if it's a matter of saying, okay, I want to know more about that. Let's talk about that. And then maybe they can show you. But if they just start doing it and you go, oh, I, I need to follow them, that's not a, an ideal scenario. Right, right. Um, you, you had mentioned something earlier that I, I just wanted to add one more thought. And that is, I think there's a strong argument that lane sharing, lane filtering, lane uh, splitting actually puts you in more control as a rider. You know, it's it's easy to look at that and say, well, why would you thrust yourself into that environment. Well, again, if you're just stuck in the lane, you are more vulnerable and you can't do anything in terms of the traffic ahead of you. As soon as you get in, I just want to reinforce that idea that really it's an opportunity to put yourself in greater control of the situation. And you were talking before about the decisions that you make and what you decide to do. It's a very dynamic process, but it is one that you're less likely to be a, a victim of something because it forces you to or you've made the option to kind of take control of the situation by going slightly faster than the traffic around you. I 100% agree. And one of the things that we didn't really mention is that, you know, again, in a typical situation where you're in traffic on a motorcycle and you've got cars or trucks, you know, one in front of you and one behind you, you can only see the vehicle in front of you. You can't really see around it very well. But when you're lane splitting, you can see all the way down the lane because you're mm -hmm. looking between the rows of cars. So your sight lines are much, much farther ahead. So you can see- Even a, And scanning across multiple scanning, lanes. Whereas, mm -hmm. especially if you're behind a big suburban or a delivery truck or something and you're in traffic, you're basically looking at a wall. You can't see around it. You can't anticipate anything. So you, I 100% agree is that you have a better understanding of your environment and, and visual awareness of what's going on. Yeah, you have command it, of that. Yeah. I think the thing that people just- Again, it's it, it's like it, it's sort of like I guess if, if you're right-handed and you tried to write with your left hand, the idea that somehow they're acclimated to having vehicles in front of them and behind them, but being riding single file between them where they're closer on the sides because we typically don't. It's not necessarily a safe practice to have two motorcycles riding side by side in the same lane, right. even though mm -hmm. you see, you know, some motorcycle cops do it and it's kind of a, that sort of thing. You know, I never ride next to another motorcycle in a lane. At, Why at, give up that advantage? Exactly. Because yeah. anything you want to do. So so I think somehow people just feel it's weirder, but like you're just trading one set of constraints for a different one. And I think since you're traveling in a longitudinal direction, having the additional space ahead of you and behind you, yeah. it gives you the additional control that you're talking about. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking when you were talking about having that visual, for instance, you mentioned before on highways, if you're doing this, you do have on ramps and, and exit ramps to put yourself in a position where you can actually see. And I bet you, you, you know, in your riding, you can see this all the time is you see the merging traffic and you can anticipate and you can watch vehicles starting to shift left. And you can see how that can potentially affect you moving forward 
long before you even get there. Absolutely. Which, Absolutely. which gives you, once again, you have greater control of the environment, greater command of the environment and, and can... Uh, so I, I think, you know, again, it, it may not be an activity that is advocated for everybody. And again, it's only really the lane splitting is the one I'm, we're talking about with the freeways. It's only allowed in California. For me, I personally feel safer I, because based on my experience now, yes, I've had some close calls and lots of situations. But again, riding in a lane just like a car does doesn't mean you're not going to have close calls. You're going to have people stop suddenly in front of you and you're going to have to brake hard. You're going to have situations where hopefully nobody bangs to you in the back. But I've known plenty of people who have been rear-ended on motorcycles. I don't know anybody who's had, personally, don't know anybody who's had an accident lane splitting. Nobody do I know has been rear-ended while they're lane splitting. Again, I've actually seen one guy who was riding a little bit too fast on a sport bike. And again, he went past a gap just as somebody was going into it and got clipped by the quarter panel of the pickup truck. And that's an avoidable scenario. Again, that could have been avoided, as you well know, as a safety expert, Almost any motorcycle crash or incident, I don't want to call it an accident, can be avoided, you know, as most of them can. And again, one of the things that is, I think one of the myths is that people think that cars are out to get them. Like they think, well, somebody could just open their door. I'm like, who opens their door on the freeway? Like, even if they're stopped, I mean, I guess, you know, every now and then somebody stops the traffic light, will hop out and hey, I need to go get something out of the cooler or something like that, you know, out of the trunk. But the thousands and thousands of miles that I've, I've done lane splitting in California, I've never had anybody open a car. Yeah, I think the idea, I mean, open a car door. So, yeah, I think the idea of, you know, it is a defense mechanism or a precaution, I guess, to say, if you assume everybody's out to get you, but in reality, frankly, you just don't matter that much to them. You know, you and I were talking about this before is, is, you know, the toughest thing is, are you even on their radar, you know, let alone are they, are they out to get you now? Uh, so, um, and again, especially if you, just as in any scenario, the, the rage comes when you treat each other without respect. And uh, that's why I love the idea of the little thank you and so forth is just the courtesies that you show each other and it's you know that the next time they see a motorcycle they're going to be more willing to help it out because you know you can be an advocate and i, I don't i one of the things that i did i uh, want to make sure that we cover too is a little bit of you know there are some tips and we've kind of talked about some of this stuff but some of the some of the things that if you are going to do the lane sharing is i just want to reinforce that idea of the speed differential is one of the most important things so that's why I actually like the the rules uh, or, or the, the law according to the rules um, of uh, that, for instance, motorcycles not to go over 10 miles per hour over the speed of the traffic around them in some states, for instance, or 15 miles per hour, that there are some parameters and they're there for a reason. So keeping the speed just slightly faster than the traffic around you is what's going to be um, the safest practice. You already mentioned that idea of looking far ahead and being hyper observant and anticipating the movement, uh, especially near open gaps where drivers can shift lanes. And and the big thing to this is we want to respond versus react. Right. So we can we can see what's happening up ahead. And if we can then have a response to it, that's a safe practice. Reacting is where things get a little bit bit hairy. Uh, Part of this is being tactical ready. Uh, So that just means, you know aware and ready to be able to um, move. That can be a, a, you know, sideward movement of the bike. It might be acceleration, cover your brake and clutch in that scenario is a, is a pretty good practice uh, and be ready to do things calmly along those lines. Breathe. I think that's one of those (laughs) things I I remember having to say to myself when I was first doing that is like, oh my gosh, you haven't breathed, breathe and relax, stay calm and, and keep a light touch. 
and, and, and would you say too is is avoiding you know the blind spots especially maybe with some of the bigger vehicles well uh, you know certainly hanging out in anybody's blind spot is is not such a great idea I, again i think of lane splitting because that's uh, but though lane sharing is uh, i mean lane filtering is allowed in california where at least it's i don't know it's i don't know what's the law i actually don't know specifically what the law says in california but I've done it in the streets of Los Angeles in various mm -hmm. places, and and it, and I think because the police allow the activity is so I've done lane flip lane. It's very flexible and yeah. and splitting, and it's it it seems to be uh, acceptable. Is that sometimes you use the other vehicles as I mentioned earlier, kind of as a blocker. If there's a, blocker. If, there's a if there's a gap, I might hang back for a second, and especially if you're in somebody's blind spot, but they, you they can't really go anywhere because there's another car next to you. They it's you can right. kind of use other vehicles as barriers. I mean, actually, uh, Quinn, Quinn Redeker, a former motorcycle uh, officer, mm -hmm. uh, has talked about this as one of his strategies is as you're going through intersections, sometimes to use a car as a, you know, as a blocker. I mean, in the sense of is if you've got a car next to you is there's less likely to be uh, hit broadside, you know, basically. Yeah, I do it all. I do it all the time. Yep. Because you're like, hey, this is my most vulnerable is crossing through an in intersection completely by myself where somebody could turn left in front of me or blow a red light or something. And so if you're riding right next to another vehicle, at least just for just to get through the intersection, not for very long, just enough where yeah. hey, they're, they're going to see that because they may not see you, but they'll see the pickup truck or they'll see the sedan. Or Absolutely. Right. So, so, yeah. So blind spots. Yeah, I don't want to stay in them. But, you know, as you kind of use other cars to your positional advantage or, or as a, to create an additional barrier to it to prevent people from doing things, you know, most people don't swerve into other cars, you know, if they see them. And these days, it's funny, every time I'm lane splitting, I see the little light that comes on in everybody's side view mirrors. Now that everybody's yep. got the blind spot sensors, you see the little orange light flash on and everybody's like, bing, 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 as it's going down. So, yeah. <laughs> I just rented a car uh, recently when when traveling out west and um, I, I I drive older cars uh, at home and uh, driving this new one. And it was it was amazing where it's it's steering me out of the way now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's that, that they, that they're starting to, not only is the light there, but it's like, no, 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 you're too close. And it starts to correct for you. Right. Right. So interesting. Um, um any other tips? I mean, you know, again, uh, uh the idea is that, it, you know, being, you've basically got to be a, a, an experienced and safe motorcyclist period. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the given if you, if you're somebody who's an inexperienced, for example, you know, if somebody's learning to ride, you know, whether you're in California or somebody there's you know, uh, I wouldn't advocate somebody lane splitting any more than I would say, yeah, you should have a passenger on the back. Yeah, I think you really should have. Yeah, give it a good season. of. You yeah, know. you've had some training, you've had some experience. And as Lee Parks, you quote him in, in your feature, he basically says, you know, all of the, you know, operating the controls of a motorcycle should be muscle memory. It should Absolutely. be something that you have to be thinking through like, oh, when am I supposed to shift and do all the, operate the clutch? If you're still trying to get that mapped out in your brain, you shouldn't be lane splitting or, or, or lane filtering. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep, without a doubt. Nor for me, hop on an old Triumph with this, with the, this, this <laughs> shift and brake reversed. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, one of the things that we we touched on a little bit, uh, you know, and you talk about this extensively and and feature, and I think it's an important consideration is that part of the challenge that any lane sharing motorcyclist has is the lack of understanding by most other drivers on the road, cars, trucks, yeah. whatever. Most of them are, very few of them are motorcyclists. Very few of them understand lane splitting. Even in California, where it's been a pretty accepted practice for decades, even if it wasn't codified in law, 
if you're a commuter, if you've been on interstates or, or freeways or whatever, uh, city streets, you've had motorcycles, lanes share, lane filter, lane split past you before. But uh, in other states, you know, especially where they're just rolling out this legislation, as you said earlier, you know, there really needs to be driver education, you know, Absolutely. public service announcements, whatever it may be. Boy, I think that's going to be an uphill battle, but I certainly hope these states are budgeting for that as part of the process of rolling out these programs. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's key. Uh, and that was another thing Lee Parks brought up the same thing. And I, my head's been there as well. And, you know, I, I think I gave you an example of it's not uh, it's not lane sharing, but it's a different thing, for instance. And you may want to cut this out. Who knows? But uh, in Pennsylvania, the double yellow, we don't have very many passing zones in the entire state of Pennsylvania. It's really kind of odd. But what you do have is the double yellow, I believe it's the only state, the double yellow is actually an advisory. It's not a mandatory no passing. It's no passing if there is a posted sign that says no passing. And I think it's like a mile after that. But otherwise, it's actually, you can pass where it's safe to do so. Now, of course, that's also up to the judgment of law enforcement. (laughs) Um, And uh, I don't particularly like that practice i'd much rather say okay let's let's make the passing zones and get them in there and everything but my point is this most of the vast majority of pennsylvania drivers and visiting drivers have no idea that that's actually what the case is so if in some scenario where you even do that safely you can run into uh drivers who now are once again feeling cheated they're feeling as though you're breaking the law and in many cases, people want to play cop and they want to do something to make sure that you know that that's not approved of by them. So there's there's a good example of something that it's never been publicized that that is, um, you know, that the double yellow is an advisory. Same thing with now if lane sharing becomes a legalized practice and nobody knows about it except for the motorcyclists, that really works to the disadvantage of the motorcycling public. So uh, I just think it serves everybody well to make sure that there is a campaign Right. And that or at least organizations within the uh, given state would step up and do whatever they can to inform drivers that, hey, this is OK. And this actually can work to your benefit as well. Well, you know, there's a story I was going to tell that I've been reluctant to, to tell it, it but I, it sort uh-huh. of illustrates, I think, this point about the public perception. Because so a number of years ago, I was at a press launch in North Carolina. It was when there was the solar eclipse. So that was in August. Uh, North Carolina gets really hot in August. So we had uh, been riding the motorcycles. Uh, We had been in a location where you could, we were in the zone of totality where it was basically total darkness for two and a half minutes, whatever. Mm. So that was a Monday and it was the sort of thing because it was such a rare event. Lots of people just took that day off and they just went, they drove to wherever they could to get within this path of this solar eclipse. And so we were in, we were in North Carolina. We were uh, not too far from Asheville and we had gone to this location, we saw the eclipse, and then we're riding back to our hotel in Asheville. And because everyone had taken the day off, and these are fairly small country roads, even though the, there was a, these uh, divided highway with two lanes, it was just absolute gridlock. We're on big touring bikes, they're getting really hot. Our ride mm-hmm. leaders are all former police motor officers. And so they're basically like, hey, we got to get back to the hotel. And so we just slowly kind of formed a line and started lane splitting between two lanes of traffic. Now, everybody had been, you know, for a two and a half minute event, everybody had taken a day off. I think there had been lots of tailgating. So there were folks that had probably not that sober in their cars. 
But I'll never forget, I mean, literally crawling through traffic. And again, it wasn't allowed in North Carolina. So again, it's hard to say that we we were clearly in the wrong in that situation. We shouldn't have been doing it. But we were just, it was again, hot bikes, just we got to, you know, overheating. We got to get out of here. And I was rolling past a minivan and a woman who was driving the minivan and I could see the kids in the car leans out the window and yells at me, F you mother effer, blah, 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 just screams in my face about what we're doing. And everybody else had stories about somebody threw a bottle at somebody, somebody had a gun pulled mm -hmm. on him. I mean, it was just like, it was this like pandemonium kind of thing. Eventually we were able to get off to an exit because that's what we were trying to do, to get to the nearest exit and take an, a, a different road. But I was just absolutely shocked that people were so hostile to us because again, whether we were lane splitting or not didn't affect how stuck they were in traffic. We weren't forcing them to stop or taking up space, but they were actively hostile to the activity that we were doing. So again, that was not really, an, what we were doing wasn't really right. But at the same time, I felt that the reaction to the activity was blown way out of proportion relative to what we were doing. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Next time you tell the story, you should probably say this friend of mine. <laughs> well, I was in a group. So anyway, this guy I knew. I'm not going <laughs> to identify the, but, but I, just as an example of like there, that's why it, it, I find it again in, in the United States, as I said earlier, to me, lane splitting, lane sharing, uh, it's, it's the ultimate freedom. It really is because we have these small maneuverable vehicles why shouldn't we be able to just work our way through traffic again safely? You know, anybody that does anything dangerous, you know, obviously you're sort of like outside of the, the bounds of what's acceptable, but it's, you know, uh, whether it's where you park them, uh, where you ride them and lane filtering is that, you know, our vehicles uh, are more fuel efficient. They take up less space, you know, and it's kind of a reward for those virtuous features of motorcycles. But again, it just seems to be an ingrained opposition in the psyche of many Americans. And again, you go to some other countries, they don't even think about it because it's just what you do. It's not I'm sure I'm sure they would be I'm sure they would be baffled by how difficult how difficult yeah. it is here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well Eric I, I can't wait to hear the responses. <laughs> well again, I mean what what really prompted this for me it was just the idea that Motorcyclists like to embrace the idea of freedom and escape and being able to sort of enjoy the open road and that there are motorcyclists that really would actively want to advocate against this activity, even though it's been shown to be safer. And in certain states where it's legal, they still think you shouldn't do it. I'm like, hey, listen, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. If you live in California and don't want a lane split, you live in Utah, Arizona, you know, um, Utah, uh, Montana, don't want to lane filter according to those rules. That's fine. Don't do it. But I don't think you ought to curtail the freedoms of others if it's especially if it's an allowable practice, you know, if it's a legally mandated or, you know, uh, legislative practice. You hit on an absolutely key thing, and that is by putting it into law does not make it a requirement. Right. Uh, that it, it's, a, it's a choice. It's a tool that you have. It's something that's available to you. And uh, uh, I can't see the opposition to that. Yeah, and and the research supports it that right. it, that it's a safer practice. So, well, I appreciate that you have you know uh, an, a national reputation, uh, decades long reputation on on safety. You worked with Larry Grodsky, who had a stellar reputation on safety. Uh, you're someone who, based on the facts and also based on your personal experience, is that if done in an appropriate manner, it is a safer way to travel through traffic for motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Oh know? yeah, and the, therefore. Hey, you know, there's uh, and again, supported by the AMA, supported by the MIC, supported by the MSF. 
it is these organizations understand. And the AMA has uh, a, a sample or model legislation that other states can that that can be introduced as bills, and other states are yep. considering it. You know, Oregon got pretty close. I think Tennessee got pretty close, but it's one of those things that the motorcycle lobby is not big in a lot of states. Therefore, the advocates are are have this have the the minority voice. And I think yep. the status quo of well, let's just do this. Let's not allow this because it seems risky, even though the research shows otherwise. They're like, well, I we're we're just safer by not allowing it. So, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, and and. So hopefully in time that will that will evolve. I will tell I mean, as you know, when it where it's permissible to do so, I do it because I, I believe that it's a um it's it's practical and it's a, it's a safe practice again if done properly. So uh, awesome. yeah, well, hopefully, man, hopefully someday I can do that in the east here because <laughs> uh yeah. I hate the idea of have to having to. Oh, I love Southern California, but I uh, hate the idea that I have to travel there to be able to uh, have that flexibility. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for all the effort that you put into the feature. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, everybody, take a look at the uh, June issue of Rider. Uh, we have a digital edition. We have a print edition. Uh, we'll have the feature. Will be on our website at some point. Yeah, I think it's going to stir the pot a little bit because you know there's people are are very strongly opinionated about things. I think you again presented the subject and and examined the practice in a fair and balanced manner. Thank I you. don't. I'm more biased, and I admit as much in my column as a magazine. <laughs> but I'm I, again. I that's I'm ex exercising my freedom. I'm doing what's allowed in the state of California. This is a weird state. It's typically if it's not mandatory, it's prohibited. So to have this freedom in this state is is it's weird. <laughs> so it's like the golden ticket. But again, um, I, I think that, um, you know, yeah, it's something for people to, uh, to think about and Hey, yeah, maybe it could come to your state soon. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for the opportunity. It's good to be talking with you again. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to put that on the table. And I think discussion and debate is always healthy. So uh, looking forward to that, uh, awesome. the response that we get. Great. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for listening uh, for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenson. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit ridermagazine.com where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.